1: Sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, accelerate your business growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Tim Urek. Tim is a highly accomplished financial consultant, veteran, and thought leader in his industry. As the founder and CEO of Tier One Capital, Tim has spent over 35 years helping thousands across the country achieve their financial goals. He specializes in growing businesses, attracting top talent, planning for business succession, and converting business equity into cash. With his membership in the Million Dollar Roundtable, Tim offers valuable insights and strategies to his clients to help achieve financial freedom. Thanks so much for being here today, Tim. It's
0: certainly my pleasure, Diane.
1: Well, it is my pleasure as well. And I I have so many questions for you, but I, I want to start with um asking you if you would share with the listeners what your attitude is towards debt.
0: Oh. You know, so most people have been raised to think that debt is bad. And what I have found is that not all debt is bad. And keep this in mind. I mean we, w- when I grew up, we didn't have my, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money. My dad was he worked he's, he was a welder. He worked for uh, coal comp coal companies in northeast Pennsylvania. I don't believe he made more than eighteen thousand dollars in any one year. Wow. And um, understanding that, my dad's philosophy was he never up until the time. I think when he was like 75 or 76 years old was the first time in his entire life. He had a checking account. Wow. Because we live pay to pay. The money didn't come in. Like it it didn't last long when it came in. And the only reason by the way that he, he got a checking account was because social security was going towards direct deposit. Ah. And at first he fought it. And then he said, you know, maybe if i get the checking account and they deposit it and if i die between the time the check gets deposited and the time i would have received a paper check maybe we'll beat the system and son of a gun i will say this this i'm 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 uh, digressing a little bit but do you know that um He died on August 29th. The check went out on uh, the check was deposited in his account on the 26th, which would have been the day that it would have been mailed. And (laughs) he beat the system. I mean, wow. It's like, babe, you know. But uh, so my point is that my dad's philosophy was if you didn't have enough money to pay cash, you don't need it whatever it was could have been a car could have been college could have been whatever. If you didn't have enough money to pay cash, you didn't need it. Wow. And, uh, I've come to realize over time that that was probably short sighted thinking, Mm. but you know, uh, the Dutch have a, have a saying it's, uh, too old, too fast, too smart, too slow. (laughs) So, uh, uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 I get it. But but it's interesting because I understand where he was coming from. I understand where you're coming from. And and somewhere in there, um, I think one of the things that small business owners run into is not having cash, like not having cash flow. Yes. Right? Which is a real problem. So what, you know, how can a business improve their cash flow so they're not in that pinch?
0: I'm so glad you asked that. It's a great question. And and so here's the deal. We hired a research firm and the research firm did a bunch of research and came back with some issues that are, we call them the three disturbing trends that threaten small business owners and put the next generation at risk. We put together a PowerPoint presentation and by the way, if anybody wants that report, they can go to www.tier1capital.com and we'll provide you with that um, report. You just sign up for it and we'll do a takes about 20 minutes we'll we'll run you through the PowerPoint presentation. But the point is this, um, what they found, what this research Uh, Company came up with was that, according to Intuit, 61% of small business owners around the world struggle with chronic or cyclical cash flow issues, and 69% of small business owners admitted to losing sleep or sleeping less due to cash due to cash flow concerns. Now here's the deal: 38 years working with small business owners. Here's what I found. All of these cash flow issues are self-inflicted. <laughs> it's how we're using our money that's holding us back. And we have been um led to believe that we've have, we have been led to believe that our financial success rests upon products and the fact of the matter is our financial success is going to be predicated on how we're using our money Mm. so this is something we call the financial golf swing versus the financial golf club financial institutions manufacture financial products we're going to call them the golf club nobody's teaching you how to use those products Mm. and consequently So, Hmm. you know, you, you talk to to folks and they say, oh, I met with a financial advisor and he said, you know, he, he wouldn't take my account because I didn't meet his account minimum. What a crock. Right. So these guys are supposed to be out there helping people and they're saying, well, I'm not going to help you because you don't, I can't make enough money from you. Right. And our, so our philosophy, so, so here's the difference between our, our approaches the conventional wisdom guys, they come in and they say, show us what you got. Show me your golf clubs. Your golf clubs stink. Come to my pro shop. I'll sell you a new set of golf clubs. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's basically what, 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 what the conversation is. Right. And our philosophy is, Hey, Diane, I don't know, nor do I care what clubs you have, but what I'd like to do, is see how you're using your money. So let's go down to the practice range and let me see you take a few swings. Yeah, And then maybe we could make some adjustments to how you're using your money, your financial golf swing. And then if you need a club or two, maybe we'll sell you a club. But the fact of the matter is for me to come in and say, wholesale, you got to get rid of all your clubs and bring your clubs over to me. Right. You know, that, that, you know, or buy a new set of clubs from right. me. That doesn't make sense to me, but that's, that's the system that we bought into.
1: Well, that, that is for sure. Yeah. There's because, well, listen, the the people who do it get to make the rules, right? So,
0: so we're dealing with people. I'm glad you said that we're dealing with industries or institutions. Wait, do you hear this? They make the rules. They control the outcomes Mm -hmm. and they profit from our participation. (laughs) It's a neat trick. Well, you know, it's good work if you can get it, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's. Well, let let me, let me finish up something here uh, because, because you, you, you asked the question of, you know, my attitude on debt, right? Debt is neither good nor bad. Debt is a tool. And if you can utilize this tool properly, you can use it to your advantage. Yeah. And we have led, been led to believe by the system that doing things a certain way is beneficial to us. And the fact of the matter is it's detrimental to us, but it's beneficial to the system and the institutions that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. Um, So I met with this one company and they were in a race to get out of debt. They had loans on the real estate in their business. They had loans on some of the equipment, and this is going back about four or five years. The interest rates the real estate interest rates were like two and a quarter percent and the interest rate on their business loans was like four and a half, five percent and they're in a race to get out of debt. So every dollar they earned, they put on these loans. So yeah. they ended up paying off the mortgage. Yeah. So the mortgage is now paid off. And it was like I said, two and a quarter, two and a half percent. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden one of their big machines went down and they had to buy a new piece of equipment that cost over $900,000. Wow. Because all of their profits, they paid on that loan because they wanted to get out of debt. They had to go and buy a new machine. Well, they bought this new machine about six or seven months ago. The interest rate to finance that machine, they went to their bank, was 7.5%. Wow. Wow. So let's step back. Yeah. How much progress did they make? They got rid of two and a half percent debt only to pay seven and a half percent debt. Right. Who won there? Yeah. That is such a great example. Yeah. So my question all the time to folks is okay, this is what you're doing. Are you making any progress? And that's the question Are we making any progress? Again, looking at how people are using their money, those financial, um, the, you know, those cash flow issues are self-inflicted. Yeah. A, another good example: I met with a guy years ago; uh, it was twenty nineteen, and he couldn't pay his quarterly taxes without taking a draw on his credit line. So, the 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 dance that he got taught, or the the steps that he was taught, was okay borrow against my credit line so it's 50,000 every quarter and then I'll pay back about $20,000, 25,000 then I'll borrow another 50,000 and pay back another 20 or 25,000 and then all of a sudden I max out my credit line so then he goes to the bank and the bank takes that loan and they term it out meaning that they'll make it a now it's now it's a fixed 5-year loan and then they open up another credit line so they just keep doing this so he had two He had two business loans that he had incurred in order to pay um, quarterly taxes, and he also had an open credit line. So I asked him, I said, how much money, how much income are you making? And he said, "Uh, I make $650,000. I said, oh, that's pretty good. When you were in college, how much income were you shooting for? Like, what were you hoping to make? He said, oh he started laughing he said ah, you know about 150 200 and then i laughed and i and i he goes what's so funny and i said isn't it ironic that you're making 3 to 4 times what you ever dreamed you could make and you can't pay your damn taxes without taking a draw on your credit line and wow. he just sort it just sort of stopped him in his tracks he said geez, i never thought of it that way but that's just the way i do it and i said you have been conditioned to believe things are normal right that are not in your best interest yes right so my question to him was if i can show you a way that you would never ever have to pay another quarterly tax using a drawn a credit line would that conversation be worth 45 minutes of your time right. he said my god yeah so now let's talk about let's take this this situation And this was in the summer of 2019. We put a plan together in October of 2019. And in July of 2020, he had left his accountant's office and he had filed his 2019 taxes on extension. He texted me and the text was, and I I remember it verbatim, Tim, I just want you to know I left Brian's office. We just filed our 20. 19 taxes. We had enough money set aside to pay my tax obligation for 2019, but better yet, we have money set aside to pay the September quarterly, the January quarterly, as well as what we think we're going to owe in April for our 2020 tax obligation. Wow. That's huge. Thanks for all you do for me and my family. Now, if that was the end of the story, is that a good story? Oh, yeah. Well, it's so much better because in December of 2020, we met again, me, his accountant and myself. We met in my conference room at seven o'clock on a Friday morning in December and. Looking at, he had now expanded his business to seven locations. Each location had its own checkbook and its own, it was its own uh, taxing entity. It was his, uh, he had corporations set up for each location, and between those seven locations and what he had set up with me, he had one point eight million dollars in cash.
1: Wow! Wow! That's crazy.
0: And, well, but here's the deal, and this is the thing. So he was thinking about things the wrong way. He was. Doing things to benefit the system, not to benefit him. Right. He knows now, but he didn't know then mm-hmm. was that he always had the ability to have that kind of money sitting around. He was taught to do things in a way that was not to his best interest. Right. To use his money. And that's really the key. That's where we help business owners. Right.
1: Okay. So um, I love those examples. I'm so glad that you shared them because I can just imagine all the light bulbs that are going off over people's heads. I can also imagine that they're thinking to themselves, um, sounds great, you know, wonderful, whatever. But um, what are also some ways to prepare for hardship, like unseen or unforeseen risks or hardships or you know, recessions, all these things that all of a sudden happen, is it the same sort of changing the mindset around how we deal with money?
0: It it, it absolutely is, right? Whether whether you're, you know, a multi-million dollar business or you're a $300,000 business, it doesn't matter. How you use your money is still the determinant as to how, whether or not you're going to be positioned to either take advantage of the things that the economy and, and, and life throws at us, or whether we're going to be victims of the things that the Mm -hmm. economy or life throws at us. And so having money is never out of style. Being in control of your money is always in vogue. And one of the things that we have found we have been trained to look at things through the lens of you being in control of your money. Mm-hmm. And when you look at things through that lens, all of your decisions become much more clear because it's, it's really cut and dried. If I do things this way, will I be in control of my money? No. If I do things this way, will I be in control of my money? Yes. Okay. I'll do it. I'll I'll do it. Method B because that's going to, leave me or allow me to be in greater control of my money. So when you look at things through, through that lens, your decisions are very, very clear. They're easy to make. Right. And that's what happened to that gentleman I told you, um, who was paying his taxes, his quarterly taxes using credit line draws. He was just looking at things through a different lens. right? And, you know, one of the, the funny side stories to that situation was um, in December, when we were sitting in my conference room with the accountant, the accountant said, geez, you know, I'm embarrassed. He said, I should have known all this. I said, Hey, let me ask you this. Was there anything here that we touched upon that you didn't know? He goes, no, but why didn't I put it together? I said, because you've been trained to do things in a different way. Right. You've been trained to teach your clients how to pay as little in taxes this year as possible. Yeah. And in so doing, a lot of times they're giving up control of their money where I've been in, I've been trained to teach my clients how to be in greater control of every dollar that comes through their checkbook. Yeah. And when you're able to do that, all of a sudden you're sitting on a pile of money. And here's one thing I noticed with all of my clients. When you have access to capital, ideas or opportunities will find you. Yeah. You can't imagine, Diane, the amount of opportunities my clients have on a daily basis because they have capital and they have access to capital and they could move on those things immediately if they need to or if they wanted to. But the irony is they're being very because they're in a, such a strong position financially they they're being very selective as as to how they use their capital
1: right and just that feeling of being in control and having being able to make all those decisions it, it is uh, it makes perfect sense to me that opportunities present themselves because you see them that yep. You see them as opportunities.
0: Yeah. And, mm. you know, you had mentioned something about uh, r- uh, a few minutes back, you had mentioned, you know, like, a, you know, what happens if there's a recession or something, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So I'm glad you brought that up because part of the research we did, um, MetLife did a small business owner survey, and they highlighted the fact that inflation was for 50% of the respondents said inflation was a colossal challenge to them. And that was in 2022. In 2021 only 19% of the respondents thought that inflation was a big deal. Hmm. But here's the scary thing that 71% of the respondents they predicted that times were going to be tougher. And that inflation was going to be the biggest battle. Now, the other thing is that same survey found that sixty-six percent of Americans think that a recession is just around the corner.
1: So, so what are what are we doing? We're, we're predicting the worst, and we're not prepared for it. What what's happening there?
0: I I don't know. You know. I don't know that we're pre- predicting the worst, but we're expecting the worst. That's yeah. what the survey said, right? Small business yeah. owners are are coming up coming up with these responses. And here's the deal. Again, that that research that we did also indicated that you know, small businesses are the backbone of our economy, of the yeah. US economy. Now, here's here's a couple things that shocked me. Small businesses account for 44% of overall GDP. They account for 50% of all jobs in our economy are jobs created and utilized in small businesses. And 90% of all companies are categorized as small businesses in, in America. We are the backbone of this economy. And the problem is that unfortunately, small business owners aren't getting the advice and the attention that they should be getting. And they're not prepared for these things that might be coming down the pike. Right. It's true.
1: I I know. I I hear that. That's why I'm glad we're having this conversation, because this is something that is empowering and that, that we can jump on, right? So if someone's listening, and they're hearing everything that you're saying, they're thinking to themselves, okay, you know, I get it." Um, is there a, you know, like, is, is there a starting point? Is there a step that they can take today to start turning the tide in, in their business? Is there something they should look at? Is there,
0: you know, what, what would you say? Well, so it, it, it's it's hard because think of it this way. We've all been indoctrinated or it's been ingrained upon us to do things a certain way. And the, the things we've been doing are actually the things that are holding us back. Now, here's the conundrum. I'm going to guess, Diane, when you woke up this morning... You didn't look in the mirror and say, I'm going to do my best to screw myself up financially today, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, is right. It, would it be a fair assessment to say that every move you made today and every move you've made in your life financially, you thought was moving you forward? Sure. Okay. If what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, mm-hmm. when would you want to know? Now. Now and that's so that's the deal. We've been again conditioned to to accept as normal things that yeah. are not in our best interest. So it's almost like most or all, I'm not going to say everything, but most or all of the things we're doing with our money are holding us back. Right? Because it proliferates the system but it's not to our advantage. Now, here's the deal. If I wanted to get you to do something that was in my best interest but not in your best interest the best way for me to do that is to make you think that it was in your best interest. Right. I can give sure. you an example. Let me give you an example. When you go to the bank and you want to get a mortgage the fact that there's like 8 or 10 different mortgage choices indicates that the bank makes more money on some mortgages than it does on others. Now, wouldn't it be to your advantage to find out which mortgage they make the least on and mm-hmm. then, and then go that way? Cause if the bank makes the least, that means you make the most, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a zero sum game, right? But so again, the, the focus should be on you being in control of your money, right? But how does the bank take your eye off the ball? We have been trained as a society when we're shopping for loans to use one criteria and one criteria only. When we shop for loans, what's that criteria? Uh, Is it the
1: rate or the rate? monthly payment?
0: No, it's the rate. It's the interest rate. So as soon as we start talking about interest rate, our eye is off the ball. So here's how the bank does it. You go to the bank. Now it's all about cash flow. So you go to the bank, you want to take out a mortgage and you say, you know, I want a 30 year mortgage. And then they show you the HUD statement. And let's say the HUD statement is six and a half percent. And the bank shows you the HUD statement, and you look. I'm borrowing two hundred thousand dollars, and I'm going to pay back three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, or whatever the number is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're like, "Oh my god, I'm 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 building a I'm buying a house for myself, but I'm also buying a house for the bank." Mm-hmm. And the bank says, "That's right. Now you want to get that number down? Go to a fifteen-year mortgage. Oh, yeah. We'll only charge you six percent." And look, now you reduce the interest from 185,000 to 125,000. And look, we just saved you $60,000. But your payment went from I don't know, let's say 1500 a month to 2100 a month. Now you just lost you know more than right. almost 40% in additional cash flow. And you walk out of there And you think, I really negotiated with them. I got the rate down from six and a half percent to six. And the bank is laughing at you saying, oh, yeah, we gave it to you our way. Right. It was in our best interest because we wanted to get that money back quicker. Right. And and so that's the point, you know. And Mm. and like I said, if you're in a race to Mm. get out of debt, all you're doing is sucking up your cash flow. All that's doing is just evaporating your cash flow. So hopefully yeah
1: yeah sense. now this is really tim i mean this is great because it it really you're so right that we've been conditioned and trained to think about it a certain way and it is not serving us right yeah yeah wow this is so valuable i'm so glad that that you have spent this time with me will you tell the listeners how they can find you
0: Yeah. So you could come, our website, we have a ton of free content there. We have a lot of tools and resources, but it's www.tieronecapital.com. And it's T-I-E-R, the digit one, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. And if you go to that website, com slash gift we have a free giveaway. We call it the uh, five critical questions you you should be asking uh, when looking for advice with cash flow, executive retirement, or succession planning.
1: Oh, that's great. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Thank you for that. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, th- you know, as I said, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.